Davidson, and I would like you to join me from here at Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as I minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. My heavenly Father, I thank you. Father, open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia. That we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Father, turn us from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto you. Father, grant us grace on this meeting. Let us only see Jesus. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Titus 2. Well, we'll begin in verse 1, because this is Paul speaking to Titus. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity and patience. And here's the next verse we're after. And the aged women, and that's experienced, don't you dare call me old. It says the aged women likewise, that they may be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers. Not given to much wine. Teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober. To love their husbands. To love their children. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Good, obedient to their own husbands. That the word of God be not blasphemed. I'm obeying those scriptures right now. And I'll tell you. You know how you're going to get there? Through the gospel. And we will find that a little later. If you will turn with me to John 10, 35. Seems to be my signature verse, and what a good verse. John 10, 35. Jesus is speaking. We want is the second phrase. It begins, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture, there's what we're after, and the scripture cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. You know God never fails. God never fails. The only thing that fails is our believing. But when we believe, he will never fail you. That's why you can trust the word. That's why it's never broken because God doesn't fail. He's God. If he has to, he'll create it. Now with that, the word of God cannot be broken, I want you to turn to Acts 10, verse 38. The Word of God cannot be broken. So everything in this Bible cannot change. You got that? And what did we say last week? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, today. He's the same today as he was yesterday. Jesus doesn't change either, and he is the Word. Well, let's go to verse 37. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea. And Peter here is talking about the gospel. He said, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Now look what this says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Do you see right there? That goes right along with what we're learning about. Walking in the Spirit. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost. So he had to have the Holy Ghost too. How can that be? Because Jesus was a man. 
He wasn't a God any longer. He had left that in heaven, emptied himself. Now he's anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. That's two separate things. The Holy Ghost is not the power. We will see that later. The Holy Ghost is not the power. The power is the gospel. Paul says that in Romans 1.16. I'll go there real quick so you can see this. Because I want you to understand the Holy Ghost is not the power. Now he will direct you into it. He will move you around in it. He will lead you. But he's not the power. The power is the gospel. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel. For it is the power. It is. The gospel is the power. The gospel's the power. The Holy Ghost helps bring it to you. The gospel's the power. Now, back to Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. And look at this next phrase. And the scripture cannot be broken. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Do you see that word all? Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He's the same yesterday, today. He hasn't changed. He is still alive. He is at the right hand of the Father doing the same things he did when he was on the earth. He just does it through people. And he came to heal all that were oppressed of the devil. All of them oppressed. You know how you're oppressed with the devil? Sickness, poverty, guilt, demon possession. That's oppression. And he came to heal all who were oppressed of the devil. Now there's a wonderful fact in this. And I'm going to bring it out if you will go with me to John 5. Because I can hear the brains working because they work just like mine did when I started first having this, this word open to me. All right, John 5. We're going to go to verse 14. This is just after Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. If you remember the story, the man was there for years and he couldn't get up. He couldn't walk. And Jesus showed up and he said, wilt thou be made whole? Now there was a whole bunch of other people around him sick. But the Holy Ghost in Jesus only sent him to that one man. We're going to see a fact about this man that is marvelous, beautiful, something to hang on to. He walked up to the man. He said, will thou be made whole? And the man said, when the water moves and the angel comes down, who's ever in there first gets healed, I can never get down there because I can't walk. He said, so I'm never the first one in. You know what Jesus said? Take up thy bed and walk. You know what the man did? He took up his bed and he walked. He walked. Why? When Jesus talks, boy, it works. When Jesus speaks, it works. And the man took up his bed and he started walking. Now, everybody gets upset because he did this on the Sabbath day and thou shalt not do anything on the Sabbath day, not even heal somebody. That's what the Pharisees were so upset with. But look at this verse, verse 14. Afterward, Jesus findeth the same man in the temple who's walking around. And he said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. Sin no more. You see those words? Sin no more. Do you mean to tell me that Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda? Everybody else is around. He goes up to this one man who was a sinner. Who did he heal? 
healed a sinner. Do you see that? He healed a sinner. Why would he say go and sin no more if he didn't already have some sin in him? The man had to have sin in him. Or Jesus would not have said go and sin no more. Do you realize that man didn't deserve that healing? He was a sinner. Do you know Jesus came to heal all that were oppressed of the devil? Do you know he'll heal the sinner? Why? Because he took the sinner's sin. Because he paid for the sinner's sin. Jesus knew not very many days from there he was going to go to the cross and he was going to pay for that man's sin. That's why Jesus will heal the sinner. Because when he heals the sinner, he takes care of the sin. How many people have we heard that God has healed them when they were sinners and they didn't sin again? Why? That power of God that's in the gospel not only will heal, it'll take care of the sin. That's what we have to let it do. Let God do what he can do. Now, turn with me to Romans 8. We are going to get back to learning how to walk in the Spirit. Verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, that's the Holy Ghost, that's the Holy Spirit, that's the Spirit of truth, that's the Spirit of grace. He has lots of names. If so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Here we saw this distinction last week. There are two spirits that inhabit your body beside your spirit. And you know what? The less flesh, the more them. That's why we want to get rid of the flesh. The less flesh, the more God. So, now we've got the spirit of Christ. And you know what's so wonderful? It says right here, if you do not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, that's Jesus. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit, your spirit is life because of righteousness. Jesus' spirit, your spirit, you become one and you become born again. Born again. Why? You've got eternity dwelling with you. Jesus is eternity. Jesus is the resurrection. And that resurrection gets attached to your spirit and you become resurrected. And you know what the wonderful thing about having the spirit of Jesus in you is? That spirit of Jesus that's in you is the same spirit of Jesus that endured the cross. That spirit of Jesus in you is the same Jesus that went to hell. That spirit of Jesus in you is the same Jesus that believed to get out of hell. That same spirit in you of Jesus is the one that overcame death overcame hell, overcame every devil there was and was raised again. That's the spirit that is in you. Nice to have. Because when you are enduring affliction and persecution, you can just lay it on that spirit and go right through it. That spirit will carry you through. Now, go with me to Ephesians 1. I want us to see it here too. Verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. This is Paul speaking. And he's talking about our inheritance that came through the gospel. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom you also trusted. Paul trusted first, then the Ephesians. Whom you also trusted. 
after you heard the word of truth. And what is that truth? It says it right here. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel, there's your truth, of salvation. Now, here's another distinction. When we believe the gospel, we're born again. Here comes another distinction. In whom also after that you believed. In whom after you believed. So first you believe and you're born again. And Romans 8 shows us that we get the spirit of Christ. It says that after that, love that word after, you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We were sealed. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, yes, you can lose it if you want to. But that Holy Spirit seals our salvation, which is the down payment, the earnest of our inheritance. The Holy Ghost is your down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. I had days when I was learning how to walk with God and my faith was being tried. There were days I thought, am I even born again? Have you ever felt that way? I don't even feel born again. And you know what I would do? I'd speak in tongues for a couple minutes. I'd say, okay, you can only have the Holy Ghost if you're born again. I'm still speaking in tongues, so I'm still born again. You do whatever you can do to survive, to get through. And, and it helped. It comforted me. Why? Then I knew the Holy Ghost was still with me. Jesus was still with me. The man that was raised from the dead is still in here. The Holy Ghost is in here too. So we're going to be all right. We don't feel like we're going to be all right, but we're going to be all right. Go with me to John 16. I want to remind us before we go into this next part. After we receive Jesus, then we are baptized in the Holy Ghost. And what that Holy Ghost does, we're going to look at it today. We want to learn how to walk in the Spirit. You know, it's amazing. There are some people that say that you don't need the Holy Ghost. Then why did Romans mention it? Then why did Ephesians mention it? Then why does Galatians mention it? Then why does Corinthians teach it? Why is it in all those books, but you don't need it? That is silly. You know why? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same Jesus today as he was when he walked out of that grave. The same Jesus. And what did he tell his apostles that we learned? He told his apostles, don't you leave Jerusalem till you get it. Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said we need it. So let's get it. And I tell you what, I grew up with a bunch of people that said the Holy Ghost was the devil. And you know why? I found later on it was an excuse for their unbelief. It was their excuse for your unbelief. Why would you turn down a gift that Jesus paid for? Now, off of that soapbox, let's go to John 16, verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Ghost, is come, he will guide you into all truth. That beautiful Holy Ghost is a teacher, and he is the best teacher you could ever have. Do you know that all my messages are brought through praying in tongues, believing God, and he gives me the words to say, all of them. That's why they are anointed, because it's not me. 
It's Jesus and the Father working through the Holy Ghost through me that brings the message. That's where the anointing comes in. That's the Holy Ghost. He is our teacher. All right? It's come. He will guide you into all truth. For the Holy Ghost shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. The Holy Ghost never talks about himself. You never hear the Holy Ghost say, I'm the Holy Ghost. You never hear that. He's the transmitter. He's a very powerful transmitter. But he is a transmitter. And he brings you what God and Jesus are saying at that very moment. What God and Jesus wants right then. It is so fun to sit down and read the word of God and the Holy Ghost teaches. It is so comforting. It is so powerful. It changes the heart. It burns in your soul. It burns in your spirit. That's what the Holy Ghost will do. He's a teacher. And look at this next verse, verse 14. He shall glorify me. You see that? He shall glorify me. Jesus talking. For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. He shall receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore said I, he shall take of mine and he'll show it unto you. The Holy Ghost only brings Jesus. He only glorifies Jesus. If you've got somebody glorifying the Holy Ghost, they've missed it. And it's not the Holy Ghost talking. We'll see that. We're going to go to Acts 2. We're going to see how the Holy Ghost works in the first group it worked in. We're going to see how God did it. We're going to see how it worked. We're going to see how they did it. Because you know why? We're going to walk that same way. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus walked in the Holy Ghost. And he gave us the Holy Ghost to walk in it just like he did. Jesus had to rely on the Holy Spirit while he was here. He's showing us exactly how he did it so we can do it too. We can do it too. We will walk just like Jesus did. And it's a lot of fun. Now, turn with me to Acts 2. We're going to begin reading. I don't know if we'll get it all through today, but we're going to see a couple things here about the Holy Ghost and how we to walk in it. Chapter 3, verse 1. And then the day of Pentecost was fully come. Pentecost, five weeks, 50 days after Jesus was raised from the dead. They were all with one accord in one place. They were all together and they were all praying. They weren't having tea parties. They weren't having book reviews. They were in all place praying and worshiping God. And suddenly... There came from heaven a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. One translation talks about a tornado. Folks, this was loud. A mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like a fire. It sat on each of them. There were 120 there. And they were all filled, all, everyone there, women and men, filled with the Holy Ghost. How do you know they were filled with the Holy Ghost? It says right here. Here's our example. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They opened their mouth and out came a language that wasn't theirs. They began to speak with tongues. That's all tongues are. A language that's not your natural language and a language you don't know. You don't know it. 
And there's a great reason why you don't know it. Because it's the Holy Ghost talking in you. He uses your tongue and he talks. And you know what the wonderful thing about that is? We'll find he prays for you using your tongue. There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. So here they're speaking the languages that are about them. It says they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Well, these people should be speaking Galilean, but they're not. What are they speaking? Now we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we are born. Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Pagaria, Pomphalia and Egypt and parts of Libya and Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were all in doubt saying, what meaneth this? And others mocked saying, these men are full of new wine. Your body has that power on it, and you can feel that anointing, and it's strong. Verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. Now, he's speaking in the language they can all hear. And he said to them, you men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Now, let's listen to Peter. Because Peter's the first man that's talking now after they've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Remember, before in Acts 1, he had the Holy Ghost with him. But now he's got the Holy Ghost in him. And Peter changes. When Jesus was raised from the dead, Peter was a scared man. Before he saw Jesus raised from the dead, when Jesus had died, Peter was hiding. He was hiding from the Jews because he thought he was next. And now that he's full of the Holy Ghost, he's not hiding anymore. In fact, he's talking to everybody. Verse 15, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing that there has been the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. You see that? The last days, saith God. You know these are the last days? Don't you think that means that this is for us too? This is for us too. It says, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on my servants and on my handmaidens as their women too i will pour out of those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy and i will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon and the blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So now he explains to them, this is what's happening. This is what Joel talked about. But look at what Peter does next. Look at what Peter does next. He explains to the people listening, this is what is written in Joel. But now look what Peter does being full of the Holy Ghost. He says, you men of Israel, verse 22, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. 
him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God has raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible he should be holden of it. And he continues on in that vein. What was Peter doing right there full of the Holy Ghost? He was preaching the gospel. He was preaching the gospel. He was not preaching tongues. He was not preaching the Holy Ghost. He was preaching the gospel. What did it say in John 16? He will glorify me. The Holy Ghost will only glorify Jesus. And what's he doing right here out of Peter's mouth? The first man to be baptized in the Holy Ghost that's speaking? He preaches the gospel. That Holy Ghost will only glorify Jesus, and Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the one that died for you. The Holy Ghost did not. Jesus is the one that bore your sins. The Holy Ghost did not. Jesus is the one that carried your poverty, healed your sicknesses, made peace with the Father for you. The Holy Ghost did not. The Holy Ghost glorifies Jesus. And he did it right here. He did it right here. He glorified Jesus. That's what the Holy Ghost does. What does the Holy Ghost teach you? He's going to teach you the gospel. He's going to teach you the gospel. That's his job. You know what the Holy Ghost is to do? He's to take you and he's to make you into Jesus. That's what he does. He takes you and he makes you into Jesus. Not a bad teacher, is he? Now, with that, I want us to go verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, what should we do? Do you know who made them feel that way? The Holy Ghost. Peter preached the gospel and the Holy Ghost was there. And you know what it made them all do? Throw up their hands and say, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? He preached the gospel and 3,000 got born again baptized in water, and baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's what the Holy Ghost will do. He will glorify Jesus. He will preach the gospel. And when you have the Holy Ghost in you, that's what he's going to do in you. Individually, he's going to teach you the gospel. He's going to bring you the gospel. It's going to be the gospel. It's going to always glorify Jesus. And that's one of the ways you can tell if it's the Holy Ghost or not. Who's he glorifying? He always glorifies Jesus. Now, to get the Holy Ghost, and it's for everybody. It's a gift. Jesus paid for it. But to get the Holy Ghost, the first thing you must do is be born again. And to be born again is to get the spirit of the man that died, was buried, and raised again for you in you. It comes and it joins with your spirit and you become born again and you become one with Jesus and your eternity starts. How do you do that? You ask. That's all you do. You ask. Jesus said, ask and you shall be given. Seeking you find, knocking the door will be open. You ask for him and he will come in. He never turns anybody down asking for him to come in. How do you do that? You pray. Pray with me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my shepherd. Lead me. And I ask this in your name. 
Jesus. That's all. Amen. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.